The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by Lucky Bastard Distillers, Saskatchewan's premier distillery, and by the Pilot Bowens Brewing Company, brewed in the heart of Regina. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only House Shorts Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> I am Joel Gasson with John Fraser, as usual, as uh, we got a few things to get to as uh, the Riders won a interesting <laughs> game over the Edmonton Elks last Thursday. That game is like anybody that, that reads your good, bad, and dumb or anybody that mm-hmm. like follows the sickos committee or, or, or doesn't quite understand what we mean by we're sickos and we love dumb football. The ending of that game is dumb football, and that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to touch on that a um, little more con- uh, outside of the ending, which is spectacular, and we will talk oh, about the so other... Good. The other sort of 58 minutes, though, leave a lot to be desired and uh, a lingering question about this team's ability to uh, rise above inferior opponents, I suppose, is a conversation to be had there. And uh, this week, the Riders are taking on the Stampeders and not must win, obviously. Nothing really is must win. And when we're talking about uh, mid-July, but a win would be really helpful, I think, in terms of distancing themselves and making sure they're in a very good spot to uh, finish in the top three in the West. Certainly. But before we get to all that, um, a conversation we had last week that I don't think any of us really expected to take off that much because it was more (laughs) of an aside, I believe. Yeah, it was kind of like we were were kind of rambling off the top. We had our open. We were kind of having some fun with it. But much like Never Get the Lettuce, it seems to have resonated with our five listeners. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, the conversation around house shorts. Right. Um, for the record, right now, I am wearing my black house shorts, which are the more beaten up pair. Yes. Because the shirt I, because I am wearing, and because podcasting is a visual medium, I am wearing my Sergio shirt that you had made, I believe, what was that, two, three years ago now? Two, two three years ago is when I had those shirts made, yeah. yes. And we... there, it's that shade of blue that's kind of the same shade of blue as my other shorts, and I don't like wearing all the same color so that's that's basically why i decided on the black house shorts tonight you you can't you can't be like wearing a unitard like like your tiny little baby daughter can but but you know adults wearing unitard not a good look so um that actually that's actually funny as you described your outfit to me Mm. that reminds me of the one episode of my former podcast where my co-host revealed that he was in his tidy whiteies because his house was so hot (laughs) so i thought that's where we were going on that no 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 no. and see now for me Mm-hmm. I am slightly breaking the house short rule that we talked about last week. Um, fairly busy day off for me today, running around with the kids, meeting up with a good buddy for lunch. Um, so I have remained in the fancy house shorts for most of the day to give them a test drive, really. Yeah, and it's important to note that um, I was at Costco earlier in the week having to pick up a few grocery items. Uh, I looked through the section here, unfortunately did not see 
the fancy shorts at uh, the Regina Costco. Oh, oh that the, you know what? If I go out to Saskatoon Costco and I happen to see them, I will pick some up for you because again, they <laughs> I've been wearing them all day and I do not feel like like normally my brain is trained. The first thing I get home, that's it. Take your shorts off, get your house shorts back on. But mm-hmm. today, that's why I'm still wearing them right now, breaking the Lacey's rules with house shorts. I'm still wearing them because they are that comfy. The only weird thing is, mm. is when you go to um, go pee, you know, you're used to, you know, you unbuckle, you kind of pull it down a bit and you whip it out. Well, you have to like, like all athletic shorts, you kind of have to pull them down. And I'm always a little sensitive because I watch my, my second youngest son, Connor, uh, I guess my youngest son, second youngest kid, uh, because he's four, whenever he goes pee, he just brings his shorts down so his, like, ass is hanging out. Hmm. So I'm always cognizant of, I'm like, okay, am I pulling these down at the right angle that nobody can see my butt from the back while I'm out here in public? Because at home, it really doesn't matter. But out in public with fancy house shorts, uh, that has been a mental hurdle to overcome. But outside of that, I have been in luxury and comfort the entire day. And these are perhaps the greatest things ever invented. And it is rare that I sit down here in my comfy little basement without house shorts on, but... Here we are in my fancy house shorts, and I, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like this might be, like, trying to find the Ark of the Covenant in your Indiana Jones here, uh, gas. But <laughs> these are, like, like I don't know if there's a place online you can buy them because you need these. They are fantastic, and uh, they are as good as I thought they were. I mean, I I, th- I don't think you're breaking any rules. I, I think it's, it's a division of house shorts. Are they traditional house shorts? No. But that's right. okay. I mean, you're not wearing something that requires a belt. You're not wearing something that has a zipper and a button. Like, it's it's very stretchy, and if they're comfortable, then I think they qualify as house shorts that have multiple roles and not just necessarily, oh, I wear these at home. Right, so that's the problem, though, is Lacey's mm-hmm. like, I don't want you to wear them out by just wearing them around the house. They're intended to, you know, actually give you some fashion sense and not have to uh. wear a belt. So, uh, So I am actually looking forward to wearing them, and then... I'm actually, unlike other sports, uh, I'm filling in for the public address announcing for the Rattlers on Saturday, which that's going to be a ton of fun. Love the mm-hmm. Rattlers organization. Love, We've talked about our love of the CEBL here on this pod. Um, but the nice thing is, because unlike hockey that expects, you know, the PA announcer to wear a fucking suit, yep. um, I'm like, oh, so I can just wear, like, shorts and sneakers? Which means I will be, for the first time in my career, doing a broadcast in-house shorts or not a broadcast i guess some announcing role in-house shorts so i'm very much looking forward to that absolutely i mean and to this point i mean most of your actual broadcasting per se has been in less than you know not really during short season right 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 um well, i the, mean I can... the, the hilltop stuff a bit but i mean more so especially like anything with the rush i mean that's in the middle of winter so yeah, Rush, I've always worn pants for, although there have been a couple spring games that uh, when I was doing radio only, uh, I would actually change into shorts in the booth. Like, I'm famous for, like, especially now that we're on TSN and, I, and I'm and i hoping we're going to be back with TSN. It's sounding like there's some momentum on that for next year. I will keep a golf shirt in my bag and switch to the long sleeve shirt and toss on the golf shirt just for comfort, for maximum comfort when I know I'm done my on-camera work. Yeah. I mean, if you're not going to appear on camera again, then I mean, whatever. Right, exactly. I might as well just do it naked. Like, but whoa, I whoa, 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 I don't know. Whoa, whoa, I don't, <laughs> don't want to distract anybody on the floor. But, uh, or or just, you know, terrify my I mean, poor I, I was, I was going to say, I don't know how Cody would feel about that one. You know, Cody's such a fucking pro. <laughs> I don't even think he'd notice. Uh, you know, I could probably There's just a lot of things I think a pro can get away with. I 
I think he would notice if you weren't wearing anything. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. He would notice <laughs> I wasn't wearing anything, but not a soul listening would be able. You know what? Maybe one of these days I'll test that. I'll just start like mid broadcast, changing into house shorts, and not tell Cody what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> let's, just, let's go for it. Let's just hope that they don't right at that moment flip to the camera that's always behind me and Cody that you only see us on pregame. And then you maybe you be like Sam Harrell in the locker room. <laughs> Uh, good times, good times indeed. Uh, not so much good times for the Riders this past week as they, uh, they beat the Edmonton Elks technically. Right. Um, In, 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 but it was good times for us and, yes, and the Fraser curse, we may have found a loophole in the Fraser curse here, Joel Gass, and I will Mm -hmm. let you continue. Yes. So we will talk of course about that game, sort of big picture, what it means and look ahead a little bit to, uh, the Calgary Stampeders matchup this week. Uh, but before all that, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, John, uh, what's in the glass this week? So, with our Cocktail of the Month, we reached out to our friend uh, slash uh, sponsor, uh, Bryce from uh, Lucky Bastard Distilleries, and said, he asked us, hey, what do you guys want to want to drink this month? I'm like, yeah, throw me some gin. Like, gin feels like something you can really do in the summers. He's like, well, we have this Hascap gin. Um, do you want to give that a try? I'm like, yeah, sure, let's give it a whirl. So... The, what I what I usually do when I start creating these cocktails I make for the videos is I, I just drink it like on ice straight. Mm-hmm. And I took a sip of this Hascap gin and went, this needs the smallest slice of lemon. And outside of that, I do not want to violate it in any way. It is that good. It is just like, holy crap. You add just a little bit of citrus just to mellow it or just to bring it alive a little. Holy crap, Joel Gas. And so this month's uh, cocktail of the month is going to be the easiest one I've made yet. Pour gin in glass. Add sliced lemon. Consume. Because, yeah. Oh, boy. It is. This might We might get to ask you on anything levels on this one. I I, I, I warn you. I, might, I poured a lot in my glass. So I'm going to apologize in advance. It's good to know what to get you uh, before we do our next AJA. Whenever the oh. next bye week is. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Next AJA, I am. I will drink a glass of this before we open up the mics, and then while we have the mics open. Uh, for me, I picked up uh, from I guess also now kind of our friends at the Nicomas Craft Ales Company. Right. Yes. Um, I picked up some modern IPA, which is basically their take on a hazy IPA. Uh, get the one that comes in the orange can. It's been around for a little while now. Uh, kind of a little on the drier side, but still got really good citrus notes. Just uh. And a little bit of a bite to it, but not overly. Just a, a really good, easy-drinking IPA, I think. Well, that's, and that's exactly what you want for the summer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's 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 what you're that's what you're needing in the summer, that nice, high, hazy IPA, especially if you're into that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, I am. Uh, John and I, we are both into Sicko's football. Yes. <laughs> yes. The ending of the Riders and Elks game, and it's funny, so to take you back behind the curtain a little bit, um, last week before we recorded that episode, uh, I kind of got pushed later into the week a little bit due to some circumstances. And then there was a point where it was almost maybe not going to work that day. And we'll say, well, we'll just record after the game. And John yes. had suggested maybe we record on Friday after the game. <laughs> and I thought, nah, we'll just go. And well, I, it worked out that we went the night we did. And then after that game on Thursday night, I was like, damn, I wish we were recording on Friday. Because <laughs> it would have been, everything that happened in that moment would have been far fresher and uh, far more in our ingrained in our brain still. Because I can tell you that um, 
the press box was quite boisterous in that final little bit because we couldn't believe what we were witnessing. And, and I love hearing that because you used mm-hmm. to hear all the times like, no cheering in the press, but like you're not cheering. You're enjoying the chaos that is happening. I know yeah, that I mean, was I like, a... like, and as a side, I, and I, I agree, like no cheering specifically for teams in the press box if you're a member of the press. Right. Um, but you can cheer for storylines, at least internally. Um, yes. You can cheer for guys internally. Um, but I'm okay with people who are at events, sporting events, because if you're at any sporting event, for the most part, most of us in sports media, and I'm using that umbrella term quite large to cover a lot of people here. Not <laughs> especially just, us. Yeah, especially us. Not just sort of the mainstream guys. Yes. Most of us doing this do this because we love it. Yes, 100%. And we love this. I think especially a lot of us who cover the CFL, a lot of us who cover the CFL not for the mainstream outlets, definitely yeah. do it because we love it. Yes. And it's a sport that we love. So when something like that happens, when a moment that is probably going to live in CFL lore for quite some time happens, yeah, I have no problem if the press box is going nuts for various reasons. Well, and that, like, I, I, I no. like, full honesty, the final about two minutes of the game, I stood up. There's no one else around me. I'm like, well, I can't sit in this moment. This is too intense. This is insane what's right. going on here. Yeah. And then, of course, the Riders tied the game on the touchdown to Mitch Pickton. They get the extra point to tie it, the two-point conversion to tie it. And then we all start talking. I'm like, okay, Rouge to win from someone. <laughs> we were expecting, with the way the storyline was going, and given the Elks, you know, given the way the Elks had picked up like 1,200 Rouges in that game, yes. we totally expected, okay, the Elks are going to come back. They're going to... You know, Dean Faithful is going to attempt a 30-yard field goal and miss horribly, but still get the Rouge and win. <laughs> because that's, and that... that's pretty much what we were thought was going to happen. Because, like, oh, they left too much time on the clock. The Elks are going to win on a Rouge because that's what this game deserved. Instead, oh, oh, we got even the Rouge. more of a sickos finish. We got the Rouge of all Rouges because it looks like the ball off the kickoff was kicked so hard and well that Brett Lowther is on the injury report this week with a leg injury. <laughs> Because he fucking <laughs> hammered that thing. I am sure he was trying to get it deep and give themselves a shot at maybe getting that rouge. Like, I am well, convinced that Craig Dickinson told him this to fucking hammer it. And, well, and, and I was thinking about this, actually, because yeah. let's face it. We've seen it out of – there's two guys in the CFL that can do it. I've seen it when Sergio's mixed an extra point. Yeah. He'll just come out with his kickoff from hell mm. and just – nuke it same thing it's almost like he's it's like when you're at the driving range you're just trying to swing from your asshole right lowther did the same thing because let's face it you know if you kick it deep mm-hmm. if you kick it regular deep they're probably getting the ball at the 20 yeah even if you try to hit a piss missile which he does and you kick it let's say you just fuck it up so bad you kick it out of bounds they've got it at the 40 right so you're losing 20 yards on the potential to just hit an absolute stripe into the end zone. And again, I love, I love that that happened in a market like Saskatchewan. Yeah. I love that that happened like Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, like what, Hamilton, Montreal, one of your diehard markets that understands the significance of that play. Cause that's the thing. Crowd's going nuts when that ball's going into the end zone. Yeah. Oh, cause yeah, all of a sudden, okay. The ball bounces at like the 10, I believe, just past the 10. Yeah. And it keeps rolling and it keeps rolling and it keeps rolling. All of us in the press box are like, uh, what is happening? Like we're all standing up and we're just like, oh my God, what's happening? (laughs) 
those of us that are left is born because some people like had left for you know because they have broadcast duties to do or some people have already made their way downstairs to get ready to go yep. to the locker room and all that sort of thing and it was just it was chaos to the nth degree and I am I am just so happy that I was there to witness that to be yes. able to see this and to all the fans that stuck it out because yeah you're right I remember looking down at the west side which is always the full side and the, th- the place was just going bananas. Yeah, and, and and you can see it on the broadcast. And so this is where we get, I, I teased it a bit, talking about a way around the Fraser curse. So mm. I was fairly busy. Did I work late? Yeah, I worked late, which means I'm working, but I'm off work between eight and nine at my regular job. So I was quite busy at the regular job. So I didn't, normally I would throw on the broadcast because there's no fucking way I'm listening to the radio broadcast of the riders. <laughs> Um, so normally I got TSN going in the background, but naturally I'm using my computer, you know, car deals and important stuff like that. So <clears throat> seeing, following the game on Twitter, talking to you, I'm like, I get home, it's like eight o'clock. I'm like, eh, I'm not really gonna, this sounds like a dud. I'll just watch this on the PVR later and I can come up with my thoughts for the podcast. And then finally, with about five minutes left, everything at my house kind of settles down and I start doing dishes. Yep. I tuned in with five minutes left. I saw the drive, the the, the the tiptoe. Let's not forget the tiptoe catch on third down that makes the rouge possible. Mm-hmm. Like Saskatchewan started deep in their own end zone. Trevor Harris, boom, tiptoe catch. This game's still going. I'm like, oh, you know, and, and that's. Don't forget our, that Trevor Harris actually scrambled and ran for 13 yards on a play. Mm. <laughs> that as well. A guy we've, we've said, yeah, he's got cement legs, 13 yards, like. This was unbelievable. This is, I think, at that point is when the uh, the um, when it was officially upgraded from a sicko's watch to a sicko's warning. Now, mm. for those that don't follow the sicko's committee, um, for one, what's wrong with you? For two, they're, they're <laughs> doing more for CFL marketing. The CFL itself, it's a group mm. of largely college football fans that are into this kind of dumb, chaotic football. One of the best follows on Twitter. It is still like the ultimate feather in my cap that for whatever reason, they follow me. Um, And yeah, great bunch of people that run that account. And so they're like, they have a watch and warning system. A sicko's watch is, is in my interactions with them that night, they said, no, no, no. The sicko's watch came on when that game was three to three at halftime. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And then it became a sicko's warning on that last drive, because it was just a chaotic finish to the game, and these guys were going nuts, and and the only negative I see out of all this is you've got an account like the Sickos Committee, which is pretty well known, has a ton of followers on Twitter, mm-hmm. tweets at the CFL, hey, can we get the clip of this pretty please? Silence from the league. Yeah. From the social, from the socials. Like, I don't want to be negative on this podcast, Tonight. What? Tonight. Okay. Just normally. Apparently this Housecast gin has really changed you. (laughs) Well, I don't want to tee off of the league for 15 minutes because we got other shit to talk about tonight. It's more more, more that. But the fact that the league can't lean into its own chaos is so dumb. Like, it's like, here's a highlight. Here's a highlight. Look, we changed our profile picture. Mm. Okay, game's over. We're going to bed now. Bye. Like, like, I I think the clip I saw of... The end of the Ottawa Hamilton game, where Crum almost ran for the touchdown at the very end, which yes! I think all of us thought was going to get in. I saw that, I believe, on Sickos through CBS Sports Network. Yes, getting their clip, not TSN or the CFL. 
exactly. It's like it's like as soon as the game ends, the CFL social people and the TSN social people just like, okay, we're done. We've shown some highlight. See you guys next week. Like, that's not what we want. We want those exciting plays. Like you said, like Crumb, I, you're right. I saw it on the Seccos because the Seccos were out there going like, hey, check it out. Another zany finish of the CFL this weekend. Like, if you took every tweet that the Seccos committee did <laughs> and put it to the CFL, that's what you need to do. Like, is hire them. Like. Oh my God, it was, it was like, I'm glad that somebody's doing it. And then again, speaking of people doing this, so there's no highlights anywhere of that rouge. TSN doesn't have it. The team doesn't have it, which I was a little surprised because I know, you know, there's good people that work for the riders, a little surprised of that. You know who first put it out there? Our friend, fifth string host of this podcast, Greg on sports. Yeah. Like you're getting beats. By a fifth-string host on a third-rate podcast. <laughs> and yes, Greg has his own much better podcast. I just thought it'd be fun to say that. But, okay, that's enough about how badly the CFL does their social and their game promotion and everything like that. Let's continue with the happiest, most joyous <laughs> game that either of us have laid eyes upon that I was glad that I actually, like, ah, I'll watch the end of this so I can talk to Gaston about it and went, oh, like, it's one of those, it's like you wash one dish, because I don't have a dishwasher at my place, you wash one dish, you put, the and the worst thing is I have to pick up the phone, swipe out of my Shaw app, text you, and then go back to watching the game. Like, it's a lot of work, but it was that good. good. Actually, that one I started with Siri, and I believe the first text to you was, holy fucking shit. Which led to Max going from the living room. Dad, don't say bad words. Because I was yeah. using Siri in my watch. So either way, just it, pure chaos. I absolutely loved it. It was it was it was almost worth the first fifty eight minutes. Almost. Ah, uh, yeah, those <clears throat> first fifty eight were bad. And that doesn't what the as fun and as interesting and as chaotic and as memorable as uh, those final two minutes were. Whew, the rest of the the rest of that game was. Whoops. I'm not going to say the worst game I've ever watched live in person f covering this team because, I mean, there's been a lot of them and it's impossible for me to remember them all, especially the bad right. ones. You really try to forget about them. Right. Um, but it's definitely up there. It's It ranks amongst the top of the worst games I've ever watched this team play in person or on TV. And and you can tell, you can <clears throat> tell the vibe of that, especially, yeah. like, when... <sighs> In a close game, you never see fans leave Mosaic early. No. Like, that is one thing. Even if it's a Thursday night, it's late, it's miserable outside. I mean, it was a beautiful Thursday night. It was, yeah. You never see fans leave early. But you and I were both talking how fans in a close game were going, I'm out of here. Like, that's bad. Yeah, like, it, no, was, it was it like, was not aesthetically pleasing to watch. Um, it is de it was definitely not one of those games where you could say, "Oh, this was good defense." No, <laughs> no, it was bad execution on both sides. It's bad execution on both sides, and the only thing that saved the Riders from losing that game was the fact that the Elks Elks did up <laughs> in the most Elksine way possible with the Rouge. That and and I'm not even I'm not even slamming CJ Sims for this. That that whole situation is just completely on the coaching staff to not make it one hundred and thousand percent clear that that ball under no circumstances goes in the end zone. I don't care if you kick it out of bounds at the two. That ball does not go in the end zone. No, and 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 that's <laughs> you made that point. You texted me that even if it's Gizmo Williams back there, yeah, you're reminding Gizmo. If I'm I'm sure Craig Dickinson saying to Mario Alford that ball does not go in the end zone. 100%, 100 he is. I think 
Mike O'Shea. Mm-hmm. I think Ryan Dinwiddie. Probably <laughs> every other coach. Maybe even Jason Moss is saying to Chandler Worthy, that ball does not go in the end zone. <laughs> I don't know if Jason Moss would, okay? So we're, we're, we know for sure seven out of the nine CFL coaches would. Uh, the arrogant one and the terrible one. Can't I can't say with full confidence. I hope Moss would. Can't say with full confidence he would. But we all know who didn't. Mm-hmm. Chris Jones sure didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, it's been a good week for watching arrogant <laughs> smoke. Uh, but the concerning part is not so much that they had a bad game. Bad, bad games, games Bad games are going to happen. Um, it's just another in a continuous trend of, especially under the Craig Dickinson era, of this team having bad games against bad teams. And again, those are still going to happen from time to time, too. Like, the difference between a good team and a bad team in professional football is in the margins. Like, for sure. Yes. This isn't, you know, this isn't Alabama playing the University of Massachusetts. <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> like, there is legitimately very good players on both teams, and the, we're talking about, you know, margins that are very small that are the difference between being good or bad in professional football. But regardless, every now and then, you would like to see this team, when they are playing a team that they should beat handily, actually beat them handily. Because over at least the last two seasons, I don't remember many of them. No. And let's compare that to my recent Winnipeg Blue Bomber watching experience since they've, you know, been good. Uh Winnipeg tends to do that. Like you kind of start listening to a game and go, all right, listen, I'm going to mow the lawn, listen to the sexy tones of Derek Taylor, walk me through this blowout win. And I'm going to watch it on TSN and I'm going to drink something delicious. Um, the riders make it a heart attacks. Like again, I'm unbiased. Like I'm, I'm just watching this team to, to talk about them because I love football. Right. Mm. Um, and you're right. We can't talk about, what a terrible Jones, job that Chris Jones and his coaching staff did at the end of that game without talking about the fact that you're right. This has been the team's penalties, which seem to have been cleaned up. Yes. I'll give Craig Dickinson credit for that. That just it's, seems, For seems some, be... whatever they had last season seems to have been caught on by the Hamilton Ticats for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> if only... I wonder if Garrett Marino just happened to walk through the building or something, because obviously he's never playing there. Uh, there you go. Uh, but we can talk about the terrible job done by Chris Jones and his coaches and not at least bring up this team's tendency to play down to its opponent. Mm-hmm. They'll play up to an opponent, which is what you want. Like they, yeah, they, like they, 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 defi- they definitely have it both ways. Like yeah. it's, it's, and it's great that they are able to compete with the best teams in this league and not always make themselves look like fools. But on the other end of that, yeah, I mean, if you really want to establish yourself as a truly good team in a league, you got to lay the wood sometimes to the teams you're some teams you're supposed to. No, and, and absolutely you need to. And I think that maybe starts coming up Saturday night against Calgary. For the first time, I think in my adult life, if since I've been a teenager, I can say with confidence, here comes a Fraser curse. <laughs> Calgary Stampeders are not that good this year. I'm just waiting for them now to win their next seven in a row. Um, but I mean, Ryan, Ryan Valentine says they're going to win the next seven, I'm sure. So, 
Valentine says they're going to go 18 I know, and 0 I know. every that's, year, no matter what. That, that's that's the joke. Yeah, I know. And, and, and then he does that with the Calgary <laughs> Roughnecks, who he works through, too. The Venn diagram of my broadcasting and Ryan Valentine is just a circle. Um, but I would like to see, and by no means are we said, oh, this is must win. You need no, no. to get a victory here in July. No, but it would be nice to see. And I would feel for my Ryder fan friends and the five of you that listen to this podcast to just see Saskatchewan beat up on a bad Calgary team, mm-hmm. especially it, at home. Like, yeah, like, like I, I agree with you. I don't. I don't. I, mean, I said it before the start of the year. I did not have good vibes about this Calgary team. Mm-hmm. The offense is amongst the blandest I've ever seen from a team. Yeah. Like worse than we what we saw from Jason Moss here for the last two years. Worse than anything we've seen under from Steve McAdoo, I would say at times. He, like uh, I don't know that Tino Sinceri led offense was pretty bad, but that's because that, Tino that's, was that was just bad, not necessarily bland. Um, <laughs> but it was kind of both at times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, one kind of leads to another sometimes. But like, if you're ditching Bo Levi Mitchell for a guy, I think you would expect him to be able to complete a few more passes than he's been asked to do. Yeah. So that's that's why I'm a little harsher on that than, well, it was bad under Tino Sinceri. Well, yeah, it was Tino Sinceri. <laughs> <laughs> that's like if, you know, the Red Blacks find themselves in a spot where they're stuck with Nick Arbuckle for the rest of the year because Crumb doesn't work out, and now they got Tyrone Pigrome, which we all, who we all enjoyed in the preseason, so hopefully he turns out to be okay. But if, you know, things go sideways there and they're stuck with Nick Arbuckle, then it's like, well, the offense will be what it'll be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you would expect a little more out of Jake Mayer is kind of the point that I'm trying to make here. And well, and what he showed heading into this season, yeah. you did expect more. Like he's he's starting to look like uh, more Stefan Lafors than Zach Calaris. Yeah. So I mean, realistically, this is probably a game the Riders should win. No, I I don't think losing to Calgary, even in sort of a down state, is nearly as bad as losing to Edmonton. No. Like, this is still a well-coached team. Like, they still have a good coaching staff. They have some good players. They have a good defense. Like, they, they still have a lo- some good pieces that can make life miserable for you and lose a football game. Um, given the way these teams are going, I'm not expecting a, an offensive slugfest. So, maybe, again, it may not be the most entertaining game we've ever seen. But, um, yeah, this is definitely an opportunity for the Riders to say, hey, we are better than you now. And I think more importantly, this is an opportunity for the Riders to distance themselves from Calgary. Because, I mean, right now, Calgary has two, two, one win, two points in the season. Edmonton's at zero. So, right now, if the Riders win then, I think they're up to then eight points. They've got themselves a pretty, hand, a pretty good cushion on fourth in the West and already have the season series locked up against Calgary. Yes, all of which would be massive going forward. So no hyperbole. This is not must win. This is not. But this was, yeah. If you wanna, if you wanna take some stress off at the end of the year, then this is definitely one that, that I mean, you're gonna and want. <laughs> I guess on the other side of this, in fairness, we kind of thought that last year too, when they are basically in this same boat record wise, and we kind of saw what happened after that. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. Things are starting to you know a little. Hopefully, it's not history repeating. Hopefully, it's them no. uh, it, it, changing. It, yeah, things. And I would say this year it feels more like they've been building upward compared to last year, where it was like okay, they were good for a little bit, but you never really. There wasn't really any. In retrospect, there wasn't really any place to go upward from there. Yeah, they were. They kind of had plateaued this year. I think we. It's reasonable with a completely new offense to still expect more. 
The defense, we know, can still step it up a bit. The pass rush is a bit of a concern there. So how do they figure that out? Like, there's little bits and pieces where they can still kind of nibble away at the edges a little bit to kind of take that next step forward. Yeah, and and, and put them into the... I, I, mean, I, I, th- I, don't, I don't think... Yeah, like, I don't think they're BC, Winnipeg, Toronto. They're not in that tier. But whatever that next tier ends up being, which right now is kind of just them... them. <laughs> <laughs> They can secure. They can. I think they can easily secure themselves, sort of into that. Okay, maybe they're not Grey Cup favorites, but with a few bounces, maybe some. Maybe they can make some noise in the playoffs. Well, and 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 that's exactly it. A win this this weekend goes a long way in basically saying the CFL's got four good teams, and everybody else is not very good. Everybody else is sort of bad, to be quite frank. So, <laughs> I'm still. I still. Want to see a little bit? I, I like what Toronto's done early in the season. Um, I still want to see a bit more out of Toronto, only because I mean, that win over BC like convinced oh. me that yeah, they're good. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Right. I, I meant I want to see a bit more of them playing BC, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan before I can really put them in where they stand in that good bad rankings. But you're right with this. This the league so far this year definitely has three teams. Saskatchewan could be four, and then it's just kind of a poo-poo platter of uh, everybody else. Pending what happens, of course, this Saturday, and us sitting here talking to Calgary like that almost assuredly means Calgary Stampeders are going to come out and kick ass just because I've said they're bad. Not you, me. 